Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Baseball Dads Podcast. Today we're doing an interview. Cut out on me. On a program called Baseball Think Tank. And more importantly, we're gonna, he runs an annual pitching seminar called Pitchapalooza, which I, I love that because it's kind of funny. And everybody's way too serious in baseball. Um, so I'm really happy to have Lance on, on the podcast to talk about a little bit about his philosophy about pitching, which um, we definitely want to dig into. And then also about what goes on at these events, because if you see the speakers lineup he's got for this event coming up in December, which um, I'm grateful he asked me to come and speak at. Um, this, is, this is probably the biggest collection of pitching uh, minds I've ever seen, and I've been doing this for a long time. So, Lance, welcome to the podcast, and I appreciate your time today, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me here, Paul. Glad to be here, buddy. Right, so let's get let's get. How can people register? I think as people listen to this, they're going to want to register and, and check out Pitch and Palooza. Let's get that out of the way. Where can they go find that information just so they have it ready? Yeah, they can go to uh, baseballthinktank.com backslash Palooza. I was going to say zero zero. P A L O O Z A seventeen. It's all one word. It's it's baseballthinktank.com backslash palooza seventeen. All right, awesome. So um, if you're going there, we'd definitely like to you know, reach out. Tell me you're going there. We'd definitely like to say hi uh, to the people that uh, will be attending. Uh, again. I've never seen a, a, a group of speakers like this assembled before. So it would be a great event if you're remotely interested in pitching, coaching pitchers, your son pitches, whatever it is that you do. So let's get into it. Lance, you have a quote that I love says, trust what you feel. And um, for me, I, I think that's, you know, I think every, every pitching coach has their philosophy. Tell me the story behind that. Why is it your, your, your kind of signature, your, your signature phrase? Uh, I guess it's probably my signature phrase because I got tired blame to put it back on the pitchers now but seriously uh i come from the state of kentucky which is is all about basketball and, and when you think about the similarities to baseball i i can remember as a kid i never had to ask how to use my legs simply because nobody ever told me how not to use my legs but nowadays you see it because it's so common with pitching lessons but going back to basketball basketball provides such a environment you think about it, there's only one goal it's clearly stated from the cheerleaders to the parents to the coaches everybody knows what you're shooting for uh, but also in the game of basketball uh, being it's so rich in sensory feedback I always ask players hey can you can you have you shot enough that you can feel the difference between something good and bad and usually they'll say yeah I can and, and you'll ask them why and they say well I practiced it or I do it all the time or I can just feel it so I think a lot of times guys think that it's something genetic that you're either born with feel or you're not 
but that's not really the case with with basketball. Um, you've got one goal; it's clearly stated. You get the immediate feedback. It either want, went in or it didn't. You either win or you lose on every single throw, so it matters or every single pitch, shot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then over time, you start to hear the difference between the nothing but net or the cover your head brick. And so what you're really doing is stating the goal clearly, and then you're just organizing the senses to where it's it's connecting the goal to the brain so it starts to attach an actual association, learned association, or feel. And that's really where it all started for me is just kind of making pitching a little bit more basketball uh, to where it's more teaching pitchers how to teach themselves just by simply creating an environment that's rich in central and just allowing guys to trust to make their own adjustments. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense. I think to anybody who pitched the baseball well or, or poorly, that kind of makes sense because I definitely released enough baseballs in my life that I knew the minute, even in batting practice, I don't know if you have the experience of batting practice, like you know when you, gro- when you groove one in there in batting practice, right, that, that uh, he's going to hit this one pretty good. You know, it just it, it feels right out of your hand. Like it's a, I mean, if you want a seventy mile an hour fastball right over the middle of the plate, I'm your guy. I can do that all, I can do that all day long. To hit for a home, you want to, you want to, you want to take, you got a five run lead and turn it into a one run lead. I can do it. No that problem. Pretty, that was pretty uh, good. Quick, quickness out. <laughs> quickly. So, what, so you know, it's interesting because the first thing I, I think about when you say that is, we look at the best shooter in basketball today is Steph Curry. And there's nobody that shot like that before him, right? There'll probably be a lot of people trying to shoot like him. And so, I think, do you, yeah, do you feel like that, like um, when you're working with pitchers and pitchers are, are coming to you, that there's a lot of that stuff that you kind of have to remove from them to get back to that feel? Oh, absolutely. And number one is just the instruction. Something I like to do is uh, I ask a ton of questions. And the reason that I ask a ton of questions, number one, and first off, I want to let them know that their answers are important. I want them to, to know they're a part of the development process because without that belief in you, there will be no buy-in with you. So belief comes up making kid aware, making him feel comfortable, uh, letting him know there's a sense of ownership and responsibility. Because at the end of the day, unless a kid wants it and he's willing to separate himself from everybody else, and a lot of times it's something very, very small, but it's that idea that, hey, if I'm going to do this, it's up to me. So I'm always asking guys to to create journals. But it's a lot of it's about, I think, more players are unmade versus developed. Uh, and a lot of the issues that I see with mechanics, I like to call them man-made mechanics because it's simply not what yeah. the body would do had it not been for somebody else's perception of what it should be doing or, or better worse yet, how it should be doing it. Yeah, that's perfect. So like the, the man-made pitching mechanics, I never heard it like described like that, but that's, that's definitely an issue. So do you, I, I experienced this a lot where I talked like, like developed high school kids or college kids. And they start rattling off to me all the things they're trying to do mechanically. And then my response is always like, how could you possibly think of all of those things in pitch? You know, it's like, I can't even keep track of all the things you just said. And I don't have to go pitch. Like, how could you possibly keep track of all those things in pitch? So if we're, if we're trying to remove all those man-made things, what are some of the things that you feel like this, if there's a pitcher or a dad listening to this today, like, hey, here's what Lance said to focus on. What would those things be? Uh, I think, it, number one, it depends on the goal. Am I shooting a layup or am I shooting a three? And what I mean by that is I like to ask a series of questions. We call it kinetic DNA. And so much of, of movement-based 
is based on the perception of how I perceive stay back. Let me give an example with that. Uh, with Ian in the summertime, one of the first questions I would ask is, what does it mean to stay back? And the scary part is that every kid in, their, in the room, and I only allow 20 kids at each program, is that every kid in the room would raise their hand knowing exactly what stay back was. So my next move was to write down on a piece of paper exactly how you would define stay back. How long does it stay back? And, of course, you can imagine what the answers look at the 20 replies from all 20 who knew exactly what stayed back meant until we actually started to read out uh, their definitions and had a little bit of fun with everybody in the room, obviously um, had a completely, but again, the problem was everyone believed we were on the same page. So that's when we start to create a confrontation of, hey, I did stay back. No, you didn't. Stay back. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. So that's kind of how a lot of that starts. So I, I believe the first question is, what do you, for example, if you'll hear a kid that says, hey, I'm trying to uh, reach out or I'm trying that right away is going to explain probably why their focus is, is upper body, very passive with their lower body. Another guy might be, hey, I'm just trying to run inside or I'm trying to sink the ball. Well, that might explain why they got a lot of shit into the delivery. So I think a lot of their cues really, really in giving you a better idea of, of what they're trying to do. Let me give you an of this rotation and through the drills he was great at it i mean if there was an, a drill league he'd probably been first team all-american drill guy yeah, but yeah. Uh, once it was it was a totally different pattern so i sit there and beat my head against the wall and would drill after drill like all of us do and finally i was like if there was a kid that walked in the room exactly your age and he said hey man what are the three most important mechanics you could ever teach me about pitching well that right away changed how forever how i looked at it because his first answer was man i'm just trying to finish in fielding position oh right. genius so i never even thought to ask that because i had the idea that i was right and i could have some magical drill rather than him just telling me exactly what he was trying to do and i was like well let's not finish in fielding position this time and wouldn't you know the pattern completely changed so i think first and foremost you've got to be perfectly clear what goal you're shooting at what are you trying to do once he states that goal, I think it's just a matter of trial and error. And I love Paul Nyman's quote. He says, with the player development, you're not trying to eliminate failure. You're simply trying to limit the number of times that you fail. And I think that starts with questions and getting on the same page with your player, whether it's your son or just a pitcher on your team. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And if you're a coach listening to this or a dad listening to this, I, I, I really want to bring your to that That's in, in both – questions that I asked Lance, it, both answers were circled around asking questions and listening to the players. So I'm as guilty as anybody at this for a lot of years of just kind of saying, okay, here's what we have to do. And I've got my checklist. And like you said, I'm right. So I'll just, so let's just do these things and all right, let's get moving, you know? And I think that can be, if you have uh, genetic talent, yeah, you get away with anything. You know, if you give me the, uh, the, the the 1998 Yankees. I'll give you a World Series too. You know, with that with those players. But it comes in. It, it becomes a problem, right? When we have a player that isn't performing up to their ability and isn't kind of molding into the system and just all, you know, kind of turning it on and turning it off. It's a player that you have to figure out a little bit. So all the coaches listening, I want you to pay attention to that um, with with the questions part because I think the more uh, you know, it's obvious, right? The more we just understand our pitchers, um, the better. And now, do you also find that guys are coming to you um, 
well, what would you do if you have a kid who's got, you know, bits and pieces of six different pitching structures? So I see a lot of that where guys say, well, I do this from this guy, this from this guy, that from this guy. I, how would you, how would you like kind of work to either make sense of that, integrate it, you know, tear it down? What, what would you do in that situation? Well, that's a great question because that's something that's very, very common. Again, yeah. I'm going to go back to the first thing is that it's almost like a doctor that when you, when this patient comes in, a new patient without any history, the first thing that he's going to do is, well, he's going to have you hand in the insurance card. I'll avoid that. But we go right to the <laughs> questionnaire. And, uh, and it's the questions like, first of all, I've got to know what's important to him because by his beliefs of what he thinks is important. If I go against those beliefs, it does I say anyway, because I'm going to be fighting the guy. Um, because yep. you got to realize that the number one goal with, with coaching to me is, is communication. It's, I think you've got to be more of a questionnaire than a coach. And, uh, two, just the power of asking questions lets those guys know how important that they're actually a part of this, that their opinion matters. They're not just being told how to do something. You know, it matters to them. So it would come back to what do I think from everything that you've taken from these six different coaches, if it came down to one guy walking into this room and needing your help, what would you tell him is the most important part to becoming successful, to become a, a successful all-around pitcher? And based on those answers is where I would start. Um, and then if there are any contraindications as far as, as well, I'm really trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. And I felt that it might interfere with what we were trying to do. Uh, I would just probably show him what I was talking about, try to give him as much visual feedback as possible, show him a few different pictures and then ask in his own words, how would you describe what you're seeing right there? And then I would start to use his cues until you bridge that uh, gap, that communication gap barrier. Rather, it's just really not going to matter because you're going to realize that development starts with the brain. And you've got a misinterpretation or our perception is different of what's actually being done or being seen versus the instructor. We're always going to be on separate pages. So you've really got to dig deep to that brain, if you will, and, and start to ask questions, find out what's important, how they view the process, and just go from there, baby step it from there. Because if you ask questions, the, 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 it's, there's, it's no such thing as, hey, he won't listen to me because I'm dad. It's because, hey, he won't listen to me because I never, ever once listened to him. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and so, obviously, you know, like this whole podcast, my whole kind of mission behind doing this is to is to help communication between – and in today's day and age, you know, we can connect easy, but we can't – like we communicate easy, but we can't connect easy. So, and, um, you know, I think I think if you're listening as a coach – we haven't talked a lot of X's and O's about pitching yet, but but I, I promise you, if you do everything you've heard in the first few minutes of this, your guys are going to pitch better. And at least you'll have a little bit of a, a roadmap, right? As I, I kind of hear what you're saying is that these questions are just kind of pointing you in the direction you're going to take these pitchers. And, you know, Lance, every pitcher comes in with a different map, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love map. We use map and awareness program, and it starts by asking questions that kind of defines the boundaries, and then we start to attach a feel as far as our GPS points. Yeah. So once you – well, first of all, you, you said when, when guys come in to visit you 20 people at a time, what, how would someone get information on that? So, I mean, that would be more for pitchers. We talked about where coaches can go. Where would they get information to come see you as a pitching coach in, your, in one of your clinics? Yeah, they, they can just go on to baseballthinktank.com, and under the events tab, I list all the programs. I'll have five there in Nashville, and typically I'll be in California 
uh, moving to the East Coast uh, for one weekend, but all those will be announced in the future. But it's under the events tab in baseballthinktank.com. Okay, perfect. And so, so now let's say we got that questionnaire. We know where the pitchers are going to go. And now you kind of have to integrate that into a staff, right? Because I can hear the questions coming like, great, now I know what to do. I, I understand the pitchers. But now I've got six or seven guys on a staff, and I've got to work them out. Uh-huh. You know, how, are we, how are you organizing that? So like, say if we're sitting in your clinic and we go through that questionnaire, we, we feel like we're all on the same page, where do we go now? First thing is that we're going to go into breathing. To me, I look at the mind and the body as one. People look at it as two separate entities. But to me, it starts with, with the brain, and the body is simply going to follow what the brain's telling it to do. So we're, <clears throat> I look at bridge as the bridge as the bridge between the mental and physical game. And until a player can actually breathe effectively, I think that you're wasting your time because you got to realize the body is – we're still involved. still have those caveman instincts, and, and it's almost as if the body – is signals to the brain to tell it what to do next. And so the, the body, do, the brain doesn't really know the difference between somebody that's got a, a 2-0 count or a 3 a nervous breakdown or anxiety attack versus a bear charging at you. Still going to read yep. And some, some ways to kind of offset that, that internal burglar alarm, I guess you could call it, would be to uh, would be to trick the body by breathing to let it know, hey, everything is okay. And Because the more that I, the better that I become as a breather, the more aware, the more in tune I'm going to become with my body. And therefore, just breathing kind of offsets the brain from being that emergency break. It allows it to move faster. It allows it to move cleaner. And, and without the basic foundation of, of breathing, that's any further than that. So first, that once we establish breathing, and like breathing is just a skill. It takes their own when nobody else is watching to spend time each day breathing because that's just another thing that's going to separate you from everybody else. How many other players out there said, well, what did you do today? Was like, oh, I, I went out and I threw long toss for 45 minutes. I did my pile balls. Yeah. I did my drills. I, and they're going to list everything physical, and then they're going to wonder why their velocity doesn't transfer. They're going to wind down or their skill doesn't transfer from the mound is because it's not the same until I can control my body in a non-competitive environment, how in the heck am I ever going to do it when the lights come on? It's just not ever going to happen. So we always start with the basic essentials of breathing, and then we go from there. Let me ask you this, because I, I have an opinion. First of all, that's awesome. I, we, we always use, when, when we teach, that you can survive with, for, for food, without food for weeks. You can for, survive without salt water for like a week, but you can survive without air for not very long, minutes, right, before yeah. so the air is priority one. But so I, – I used to love to do this as a coach. And now if when I've, I've said this out loud to coaches, and they look at me like I'm nuts. I, don't, I used to love my pitchers going in there before a game. Instead of, instead of sitting in the bullpen, and, and mostly a lot of this time is because I was a solo coach a lot of times when I was younger, so I didn't have the, the means to run all these things, bullpens effectively, and, and you know, the whole team. And so I used to love our pitchers to come in and throw BP. And like really, not like not like not like lay lay you know lay uh, uh, balls over the plate to get ripped. I mean like really throw in like they'd have a screen, but they'd be on the mound and they would essentially throw their bullpen four or five hitters trying to get them out. I thought it was great for my hitters to to experience live pitching instead of just you know they used to call me Jugs Machine when I coached Elizabeth High School. It was <laughs> Jugs Machine because I could you know I, it was a very efficient batting practice, but it didn't make anybody a good hitter. 
you know, it made him good at hitting a 70 mile an hour fastball over the plate. How would you feel about that? Would you be okay with your, with your pitchers throwing out the live hitters? Oh, I love that. I love it. That's, we're going back to the old school. And isn't it amazing, too, looking back with, with all the, the pitching experts and all the scientific research and all the studies? There were actually Hall of Fame pitchers before all that happened. That's crazy. But uh, just being <laughs> Right. But, uh, no, I love that. I love that. I think that's, that's great. That's something that we did in, in college a lot is, is the last four years, I guess, that I was coaching is part of their routine were to, was to go out there and, and to throw – Here's a, here's a Palooza fact for you, if you will. And this comes from Dr. Seals, who is a, a neurologist. He's a head of neurology here at, at Vanderbilt, and he was just named by Roger Godet, the first ever uh, medical, I, I guess the correct word would be, he is the chief medical officer for the NFL now. But he was discussing, in his opinion, his theory on why so many pitchers go out and they throw bull, and they look really, really great in the bullpen, but then you put them on the down and they, he started to think or started to explain. You think about how a hitter goes about his BP. There's people, there's balls flying in from all directions, middle infield work. He's, he's training in a very loud ground, but then when he comes into the game, it's, it's very quiet. He's got hitter's eye, it starts to slow down. But you think about how a pitcher trains in a pitcher pen, and so you and that lonely catcher go down there, that looks Good, good. That's 20 pitches. Let's go. And then we wonder why we get in the game and it doesn't. Once we transfer from that quiet bullpen to now we're in the box, there's an umpire back there that's actually calling. There's, there's parents in the background moving. So what happens to your eyes? So your eyes start to, to transmit this information. A lot of that visual. The stuff that you don't even really pay attention to, your brain is paying attention to. It's constantly scanning your body as far as how it sees it, so it shows up in the body anxiety a lot. Yeah, it's, we, we have this. We have a podcast on on kind of teaching coach tricks, right? That step one is they get you alone. The pitching lessons are in bullpens, uh, gyms, pitching tunnels, right? They 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 talk faster than you could think. I can I can. You know, I can talk enough to kind of get a kid to focus. Um, we we tend to, we take out all the hard parts: the umpire, the situation, the girlfriend in the stands, the hitter, um, the guy on deck. All we take out all the hard parts, um, and and then and then we change the, we change what success is, right? So success in the bullpen is a pretty looking pitch. When we know that same pitch thrown in a game will get crushed. And then we have a kid who did really well in the bullpen, and then he's confused why that didn't carry over uh, into yeah. the game. You know, um, so let's let's pick up after breathing. What's what would be the next step after breathing? The next is just going to be basic movements. Can I can I separate the middle from the rest of my body? And that's something that kind of drives me nuts. Is that so much in pitching mechanics is you see this all on every seems like every video re- review that I see is that we're focused on the products versus the actual goal hip shoulder separation a lot but unless i can actually separate my hips from shoulders without standing there moving without even thinking about pitching and do that how the heck am i going to do that going down a mound to a hitter with a guy it's just not going to happen and hey lance you're breaking up a little bit okay tell me when if you can or can't hear me again but you think about with hip shoulder separation it's a very 
that's a very common uh, coach or teach or goal. Break my hips from shoulders without the pressure of throwing bay or getting a guy out. If I don't have the body awareness to do it while standing and breathing and focusing on that, that movement, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that while moving. So body awareness is number one to is actually second with us. So we breathing. We're really trying to just move through the center of our body, separate different body parts. It's just a, it's a very slow and controlled. Uh, just we call them feels is what we call them is where it's actually it's the GPS. We're mapping out the body and just basic essential movements. Uh, and I think that's something you're going to see a lot of kids just jump past because they don't feel it's important. They're taught that it's not important. Or they're never introduced to it because simply they want to go to the drills. They want to go to the pitching aspect. And and that's why when you really start to look at player development, if you were to, to look at it two ways, number one, it's the breadth uh, and versus the depth. We've got kids that are constantly jumping and from here to there to there to there. And so they've got a, uh, they've got a, a well that's about an inch deep and a mile wide versus the very successful pitchers who master the basics, who sell out to the simple, and now they're they're pitching from a well that's a mile wide and an inch deep, and that's going to get you much much further. Yeah, I I I one hundred percent agree, especially in when kids now are being you know they just want to kind of get to what they're going to be tested on. Yes. You know, they just kind of like well show me what show me what the questions that are going to be on the test, which is radar gun times and uh, all the other things are measuring now, right? Just show me the questions that are going to be up on the test. And uh, let me, so I can pass this test coming up and not being able to become a good student or to get an education. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, so I, I, that's awesome. I, I love that. So now we've, we've breathed, separate body parts. Um, what's next? We're going into our, our basic throwing. And now we would have some arm care, but that just depends on what day they're they're in. And with it, so we'll start with the arm care. With arm care, to me, that that's really a culmination of of everything we've discussed so far. I think that's part of your program because what you see on the mound, your results on the mound are a direct reflection of what you're doing off the mound. It shows whether it's the drills, whether it's the breath work. It's just exactly what you just stated as far as test time. It's going to show your deficiencies or what you spent most of your time studying. And this is something that drives me crazy. If you were to go out and hire a tutor for a kid that's struggling in Spanish, you're obviously not going to pay that guy to teach him math, which he's got an A at. But that's what we do a lot of times is that as pitchers, we want to continue to work because we're not aware. The self-awareness isn't there. It's either because a coach never held us responsible or we simply think that's where a journal comes into play. As far as our routine goes, I'm always I'm going to walk guys through it as they start to progress i'm going to move out of it i'm going to allow them to to learn what it means to trust what you feel because how our program is set up is today's plan is based on yesterday's results so we're constantly keeping journals we're constantly monitoring bullpens everything that we do we're trying to chart or at least put a number uh that's or from the actual stated measured charted bullpen and then we're putting together tomorrow's plan yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I can't, I can't echo that enough about just if, if at the very least, just pull up an app on your phone and write down what you're doing. You know, just day in and day out. It's all. It's if, if somebody wanted to lose thirty pounds, the first thing that a, that a nutritionist or a trainer would tell them is start start a food journal. Let's see, let's see what's going in, right? And if somebody was stalled at losing weight, the first thing they would do is go back. Let's see your food journal. Absolutely. You know, let's, you know, let's see what's going on, right? What's, what's going in the body. And it just, you know, I, I can't agree with that more, man. I think every, 
Uh, and and I'm sure you're probably on the same page with this. Dad, do not keep your kids' journal. No, Warsaw. Right, defeats right. The yeah. Say that again, Lance. That defeats the entire purpose of the journal. Right, right. It's got to come from them. They're, they're the ones that got to go out there and pitch. Yeah, and here's, here's another thing with the beauty of the journal is that baseball such, has such so many built-in failures that once you do experience that slump, it's always great to be able to go back and reflect on how things were when they were going great or they were going good yeah. in that sense. But two, and this is why it's so important to me as a coach, number one, I'm, I'm giving them this tool to become more self-aware. But after each program, our attending videos, yeah, send me the videos. That's great. But I would much rather get the insight because that's going to explain a lot of what your body's doing. So once they send those basic questions. Number one, what's my focus today? Number two, what did I learn? What did I win? Or what did I learn? We never lose. We look at, we redefine failure a little bit. You know, losers are defined by failure. Winners are refined by failure. So let's redefine how we view failing. And so then the third part is, is if I were a coach, what would be my plan for tomorrow? So you can see one and three are basically playing off the today and the previous day to where number two is I'm just learning something about myself, whether it was good or bad, on how not to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, these are things that carry over. I always like I always like things that will not make you will not help you play better baseball. But if you do them, you'll you'll play better baseball. You know, you'll play better everything. You'll do better everything. And that act of journaling is really just self-discovery. It's like, if you want to know what's important to you, show me where you're spending your time. Absolutely. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's just for the dads, coaches listening to this, it's something that you can, we're talking about baseball, yes, but that's something, if you can give them that gift now, that's something they'll carry with them for, uh, for a long time. Um, so after we get throwing, um, what are we going to start to get into next? Uh, we're going to go into just uh, we we spend about there's about four drills that we spend most of our time with and we just backwards chain that we'll start at the release point mm-hmm. uh, then we'll we'll go into uh, just rotating the hips into foot plant to throwing from a basic stretch and then finally the fourth part is just lifting and, and going so it's very very simple and again we'll use that with the core velocity belt without the belt it's just depending on where they are in their schedule but there will be some work. And with the drill work, something that I like to do, I like to make constant, subtle changes. I think the death to any pitcher is to give him the same routine every single day. Be good at being just okay at doing the drill. And what I've noticed too is it's almost like it institutionalizes the motor skill. What I'm, they spend so much time doing the same thing in the same environment every day that when visual background changes or once that just the app. Well, suddenly that motor skill they've spent so much time on starts to diminish. So we like yeah. to make subtle, constant changes inside our delivery, whether that might be shoes on, shoes off, eyes open, uh, change the back. Just change something very, very, very small so the brain has to adapt because, let's face it, pitching is all about adjustment. So we want to create an environment as chaotic as possible uh, just so it starts to, to make it easier once the game has happened. But we're not trying to overhaul the changes. It's going to be very, very, very simple changes. So we'll go into the, the drill section, and then we just break it into what we just call a, a long toss. And I look at long toss a little bit differently. Uh, I'm a huge, huge believer in long toss, and Alan Jager is by far best people I've ever met. I mean, yep, the guy, buddy. the coach as he is, he's an even better person and, and can't yep. say enough good things about him. But with long toss, I, I view it 
uh, I like Alan's views on it. The first phase is just to stretch it out, stretch out the arm, get some blood flow uh, to the muscle moving around. It is what he calls pull down. So from the stretch out phase, it does, we'll have $30 million worth of major league to, to January, and we're throwing the ball 10 feet in front of the net. Everybody's like, well, how do they stretch out their arm? And I'm like, all right, let me ask you this question. If we were at Wrigley Field and we said, hey, we're going to throw from foul pole to foul pole. All right, I make the first right. one. Now back up two steps. All right, I make the second one. Now the third throw, I'm going to throw this in the stands. So I take my step. I decide I'm going to throw this way over into the stands. I let that sucker fly, and about 10 feet in front of me, an eagle swoops down and catches the ball. Holy crap, right. you threw it 10 feet. Does that mean I only threw it 10 feet? No. The most important part of the throw happened before it ever happened. So it's almost like the swing. Right. The most important part of the swing is before you ever take a swing. It's the same way with right. throwing. My intent, my intentions of what I'm trying to tell my body so much. So you can look at it this way, is that long toss could be thrown in a closet. And I tell this all the time with guys that struggle or have cold weather climates or don't have rooms, that a lot of times long toss becomes a constraint on a reason why a kid can't do it versus opposed to how he can do it. Really, all you need to do is throw a long toss. It's just a baseball, maybe a net, something to stop it. Now, if moms are listening to this, I didn't say that. It's in front of the room. You could take nets. It doesn't matter. You can get pretty creative with that. But that's what we're going to go into from the drill work. We're going into our long toss portion. But we call it body language burnout. It's like the old, you know how it was with you and your brothers, man. You get out there in the yard, and you're just trying to let it eat. Gossip to see him on your site, but he's in his Hall of Fame induction. He said there came up with this wild, funky delivery with legs and elbows flying. Where it was a kid, he would throw with his brother, and after every throw, his brother would say, hey, You throw like a sissy. You throw like a sissy. So that motivated him to find a way to get velocity out if he could, and that's how his body organized himself. So we call it body language for there is be the guy nobody wants to throw with. If you pick up a ball and ask you, Throw and probably skip the ball, and people make excuses not. That's the way you can tell he's got a pretty good or an effective throwing program. And from there, goes and the first person that gives an ooh or an ah or grimaces or. Thank you there. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Sorry, I lost you for a second. Um, I, I, here's the thing I take from this, you know, and you know, I try and get along with everybody in the pitching world, you know, and I think for the parents and the coaches and the fathers listening to this is that. You see that there's always a lot of respect among guys. There are, I, I know there's guys out there and argue, but for the most part, I think that every pitching coach is going to have a language that a pitcher will understand. And, and there's a lot of di- different things. You know, Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen both play rock and roll and they do it differently and they have different fan bases, you know, some crossover. And I think the best thing about this stuff is there's definitely stuff that I have my philosophies on and Alan has his and you have yours through our experience and we kind of make our own music and, and it's great to kind of be around people um, that the music makes sense to you, you know, sure. and I, you know, I'll be the first one to, to say to guys, like, I'm, I'm probably not the guy you need, um, you know, at this moment and, and happy to refer them out. So I would encourage you guys who are listening, check out these clinics. If you want to bring your son, to a clinic. I mean, and what you what you heard there is, as you see, there was no prep for this podcast. So I didn't say, "Hey, Lance, put give me your system and write it down in a couple of steps." We literally just said, "Let's wing it," and here it, it all comes out. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens through preparation. That happens through experience. That happens through experience and tweaking that experience to make it better as it goes on. So I'd encourage you to check out that 
at Baseball Think Tank. Check it out if you want to bring your son um, to Lance. Um, let's switch gears and start talking about Pitchpalooza. Okay. I'm not going to put you on the spot to rattle off all these names, but why don't you give <laughs> – <laughs> but if not, why don't you you know, rattle off some of the big ones? All right. You got Eric Cressy, who's going to be back again this year. You've got Kyle Bodie. Uh, Kyle Bodie, I pronounce his, I guess that's the Kentucky. I mean, I can't ever get anybody's last name. Luckily, Reddick's an easy one. Kyle Bodie <laughs> yeah. uh, is going to be there. We'll have, I've just went blank, completely blank. But we'll Mike have, Steve, yeah, Mike Reynolds, Steve Reddick. Uh, we'll have, there's tw- we've got Eric Rasmussen who's with the Twins. We've got Jay Lando and a lot of these guys you may not have heard of, and that's kind of the beauty of it. so many guys out there that even with the big names that, that you look at, it's almost like a who's who. And I'm just lucky with that. But all that's the guy ever heard of, you've never had an opportunity to be around, and you leave there like wow with with how he explained his whole process and. The thing is I've got one rule. There's no dropping coach bombs, meaning everybody goes on a first-name basis. I want to keep it very open because uh, I know how that is when you go into a place and you've got 700 people there and there's somebody on stage. and It, it can almost be overwhelming. It can be a little bit intimidating to where you feel like an outsider, and we've eliminated that. But it's yeah. it's just it's, it's guys from the strength and conditioning world. It's from the pitching. It's, it's from the hitting. And it's basically a celebration of pitching. and. I just stumbled upon it because each year after coaching college baseball, I would reach out to what I thought were the best pitching minds in, in baseball, and then I would go and visit them. So once I got out and went to the pro side of things, I decided hey, it'd be nice just to uh, get all those guys here and just be able to ask them questions and, and make it an event. And it's kind of how it took off, and it started with 48 guys 2013, and now five years later we've had uh, already had 15 major league baseball organizations sign up schools and it's just been really cool to watch it grow but still be able to keep that intimate environment to where hey man this is just a three-day celebration of pitching and now hitting yeah and i think i think it's awesome about it and why um why i'm excited to go is i feel like i know there's guys there with competing philosophies and different philosophies and different ways of thinking and um but the ability of everybody to kind of come together i think i think if you if you sat down with with everybody, regardless of what they believe or what they teach, everybody's there to make kids better. And I think you, I know a lot of the guys that you've assembled here and there's some that, yeah, I'd never heard of. Um, and, and I think that's at the heart of it. I know that you brought in a lot of guys that at the end of the day, uh, they just want to see guys pitch better. They want to see people succeed, players develop and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome, man. I really want to commend you on that, uh, on bringing those guys together. It's really impressive. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And you know something that's really cool and probably the best compliment or my favorite compliment I've received from Ben is touched on it, Paul, is that it's it's not a, a brainwashing event to where you come in and every speaker is saying, hey, you need to do weighted balls, yep. you need to do it this way. No, it's not that. You might have Mike Ryan on the podium and, and tells you every scientific reason why you shouldn't, and then you have Kyle who steps up and shows you all the success that he's had using weighted balls. So it's really, again, it's a celebration of just all these different opinions and you taking away what you feel applies to you and realizing there is no one way. There's the more clearly you can communicate that, the more effective you're going to be. Yeah. It's almost like, so even just using that as you've used before, I feel like this is not to uh, learning how to play the Beatles songs, right? This is kind of like, Hey, here's some, here's rock and roll. Like, theory 
you know, and everybody has their own interpretation of it and, and, and can have different success with it. So I love that. Let's say, let's say there's, there's guys coming, there's, because most of our listeners are dads. Why should a dad uh, come to this thing? Uh, well, you're going to be, you're going to see firsthand exactly what the highest, what, what the highest players at the game. I mean, we've got, when we first started, we had one organization, I believe it was Tampa Bay that showed up that first year, but now we've got literally the front office and even the entire scouting department that are showing up from 15 major league teams. But right alongside that is the instructor that your son's going to be working with. It's going to be the high school dad that's got a son plan that follows the stuff on Twitter or is constantly reading about pitching and researching. And it just gives you an opportunity to see how many different philosophies are out there. Uh, it's a great way to network, and it's a, it's a great way to really open up or expand your mind to a different way of, of thinking about pitching and, and realizing that there is no one way. So I think that a lot of the dads that leave there leave there with a lot of clarity and realizing that, hey, even though I'm confused, there were 200 people that do this for a living that were also confused until they left that room. I'll, I'll add in why I think a dad should go too. Number one, I think you're going to find out that the, the guys at the top are, are really high-quality people. And I think the waters have been really muddied by a lot of the youth, the, the front line of baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just what I do all day is talking to dads about the problems they're facing. And most of that is these travel ball coaches that get out of hand or these little clicks and these bubbles that, that pop up in local leagues and stuff like that. I think what you're going to find is that guys at the higher level are really decent, decent human beings and, and great, great people. Uh, one, just to rub elbows with those guys. Number two, you're not going to find a collection like this, I don't think, anywhere else. Um, so that would be just, you know, even if you are just uh, just want to be around a group of people who are really doing things, um, that would be a reason to. Number three is this. I would say your kid's not listening to you because you don't have anything to say. And I think if you want your kid to listen to you is to have a, a you know, to really have um, a basis of education uh, of experience with coaches. And if you go to an event like this and you come home and you're going to sh start showing your kid something, it's not going to be dad. You're trying to show me what you learned when you were a kid, which <laughs> might be good or might not be good. But now you're coming home and saying, Hey, this guy, Lance, who works with all these people, or this guy, Eric, or this guy, Mike, or these guys, th th these are the guys that are working with the pros. And dad went and spent two days, three days with them. And now I'm going to come back and teach you what I learned from all these high level guys. So I think those are three reasons to come. And I would, I'm honored to do it. I'm on, you know, I can't wait to get out there. I've been to Nashville a bunch of times, and um, you know, I love New Jersey, but Nashville is good too. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm excited for it. Lance, why don't we give out that info one more time so that okay. they can register? That's www.baseballthinktank.com backslash palooza, O-O-Z-A-17, all one word. It's baseballthinktank.com backslash palooza17. And, and if you can't make it, videos are also available as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and that, that's another great point. Yeah, if, if for some reason you can't come out there, um, you know, grab those videos. It's a good time for you and your son to get together and, and kind of learn together. Um, here's another thing. I'm going to throw in a fourth reason why you should go. Um, the biggest problem we have is, is I, I think, with kids and instructors, is kids get locked into instructors. There's a, very, there's a political sure. issue that if you're playing for an academy or a team or a league or a high school coach, and let's say it's not going the way you want. Let's say you're not getting the results or you know your kid's got more or whatever it is, right? It's just not going the way you want. 
I know it's not kind of politically uh, cool to be seen going into another academy or working with a different instructor. I get it. That's out there. But this is your opportunity to spend three days and get a crash course in all this that you could take back and work with your own son and not disrupt the, the systems of, you know, that be in whatever your community is. Um, so having that kind of ability to get this information for all these guys in three days um, is, you know, will do you a world of good. So I'd encourage you all to go. And Lance, you got any parting final words of wisdom, quotes, oh, just, theories, just, prayers? Uh, just other than I love what, what you're doing, I mean, with everything that I read, it's just it's just great to hear a knowledgeable experience in your background really helping these dads because that, that's the front line of where it all starts, and I think that's where it's opened up the market for so much bad information. So just by educating the dads, I mean, I'm a dad, and that's that's something that is very special to me, and I just I really like what you're doing. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, and I'm a very, very excited that you had me on the show, Paul. All right. Thanks, Lance. I appreciate it, man. Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So again, thank you so much and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I want to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com all the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.